Tonight's Faces of Faith podcast guest is someone very familiar to you, our own Chief Meteorologist, Bob Jeswald. He, of course, keeps us ahead of the storms. Tonight, he's going to share how his faith has helped him weather the storms in his life. You don't want to miss it. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Phil Scoggins. And thank you once again for joining us on Faces of Faith. I'm your host, Phil Scoggins, and I am here introducing someone that has been like a family member, really, over the last 15 years that Bob's been here. It seems like longer than that, actually. It does. You know, Phil, it, it was like yesterday. It was 15 years ago this August. 2006. We, right. Yeah, you remember. And that August, I think because our contracts both are one month apart or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we remember <laughs> the stuff. But we... When we came here, my wife and I, and, you know, her family was from here, uh, you know, first. And, of mm-hmm. course, I came here in the early 90s when I met Teresa. And we I would have never anticipated being here again and being here as long as I would be. But uh, as faith has it and as prayers would have it, I think um, it, it just so happened to be. And, and it really was something unexpected. Um, I look back, and I think I even went to one of your prayer breakfasts and you shared did. that moment. Uh, my mother-in-law was praying before, uh, you know, my, uh, my, my second daughter, Eva, was having her baptism out in Arizona, and this is out in Ahwatukee area where I live south of Phoenix, and it, it was uh, very sudden, and the, the way everything just kind of came together, it, it was no coincidence. Well, we're going to chronologically bring folks up to mm-hmm. how you got to Columbus, but Folks that watch you at night, and you may, from time to time, you do make a reference to being from Buffalo and and the New York area, but take us back to uh, the early days of Bob Jaswal. Share with us, you know, your early years in life, and then we're going to trek you all the way through and, and, and follow your career until you wound up here in Columbus. So, so let's, let's go back to Buffalo. Let's go back to Buffalo. Shuffle up. <laughs> can we shuffle? Yeah, let's shuffle, Buffalo. Back, shuffle to Buffalo. back to Buffalo. Back to Buffalo. There we go. <laughs> but when I start, when I was young, I mean, I can go back. I, I, I have an uncanny memory, and I, perhaps it's because I relive stories that were either told to me, but I truly remember them. I'll say things to my parents, my mom, and my dad, and they'll say, yeah, that, that did happen. I can't believe we remember that. But I can remember three, four years old. In my heart of hearts, I always knew that, First of all, I love people. I love different people. I like talking to people. I think I, that I, comes across on air. Right. It's strange. In and the I, community. Yeah. And I and at that age, I always knew I wanted to entertain. I, I did um, kindergarten. I actually took on, you know, three little bears, and I played a little bear. I could still remember that like it was yesterday. Got involved in all kinds of drama, theater groups, um, all the way up, fast forward into high school, even to – TV. We had closed circuit television that was in black and white. Now it's in color. Now nice, but back then it wasn't. And I started doing the weather, and and we would bring the camera with a cable and pull all the way outside in Buffalo, a Hamburg High School I was at, and and uh, I remember we would see it snowing. But but I also was kind of the class clown, mm-hmm. and and I and I always love to uh, emulate people. It's it's a form of flattery. He does that people. here, folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He, he he does some great impersonations. <laughs> I, well, only once in my life that I did an impersonation of a kid in high school. I was wrestling then too a little bit, and I was playing hockey, and I got I got sucker punched because a kid thought I was make, poking fun. And I go, dude, I'm not, I mean that's just what I do. I didn't even think about it. So I was always in the future. I was like careful, 
to whom I would, you know, want to emulate. Mm-hmm. It, it's never made, you know, it's, it is a form of flattery, you know, and many times I'll do it for people. You know, I want to see yourself and I have people try to emulate me. But this one person, um, he had a lot of trouble in his life. I look back at that and, um, you know, and I, sh- I probably should have known, you know, but he took it as, as if I was poking fun. And there might have been something he was sensitive about, but it was, People go, dude, you were spot on. <laughs> you were spot on with this guy. So anyway. Well, how did yeah. you get selected to do the weather? Is that something you wanted to do, volunteered for? Well, you know what? It never, uh, that's not what I wanted to do, but the TV was supposed to parlay into acting. And and I because I did the last big hurrah that I did, and I had the lead role in Flowers for Algernon in high school, okay. and I played Charlie Gordon, and it was... Um, it, I think it was uh, Cliff Robertson played it mm-hmm. in 1969, and it was Charlie the movie. And they used the word, and, and pardon me, I mean, this is how things change over the years, but it was a retardate. It was even written that way in the book that he was slow, uh, the mm-hmm. character Charlie. Mm-hmm. And through this uh, procedure they did on mice, they figured, hey, could we, could we adapt it to a human? They did it to Charlie, mm-hmm. and then Charlie would become very intelligent and then therefore become appealing and falling in love with Alice Kinney and uh, the lib- you know, and I think she was a librarian. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember, but I did music man did so many different things, but, but that was my, that was it. And I had teachers tell me to go, Bob, you're on your way to New York. And although I did go to New York, I'll tell you that in a minute, but uh, it, it just wasn't in the cards. TV was just the way to go. So you were in high school what design did you have to pursue acting in college? Was that the next step? I wanted to, but I did stand-up comedy and failed at it miserably. <laughs> <laughs> I, mm, I'm, I'm drinking late-day coffee here, Phil. I just had to do that. But we, you know, we were, you know, all together, people are like saying, Bob, you know, you should really consider this. So I went to a communication-heavy school. I first started to go down to Miami. I went to Miami, Florida to visit my cousin. It was down there and went to a broadcast school down there. It was called Botter Campus, a broadcasting off of mm-hmm. Dixie Highway, South Florida, outside of Miami. My, my cousin worked as Chucky Caruana. Um, he worked for uh, Eastern Airlines, and he was a mechanic. And uh, I stayed with, with, uh, with my cousin and Patty and his wife, and uh, she was from Daytona Beach, I remember. And I went down, and this was great, and it was a – radio thing and I thought man I could do this radio thing and TV and it seemed like this is going to pay the bills probably but I uh it was through a, a childhood sweetheart romance with my oldest daughter Brittany's mom I had to get back to Buffalo and married her and when the responsibilities came in the acting thing seemed like it's not going to work but then when I went to college that's when I started saying what else could I do maybe a little stand-up comedy so I kind of tried out for AM Buffalo. It was a it was a morning show format in Buffalo's WKBW, Channel 7. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, an O&O, which means it was owned and operated by ABC. It was Cap Cities, Capital Cities at the time. And uh, so What year? It was this, so, gosh, this was 80, oh, gosh, I got to think. This has to be 86, maybe, 87. Okay. It was right after Britney was born. So I would say probably 80, end of 86, 87. Okay. And it was still winter time, so it might have been, like, still early 87. So I get I get pulled up and I did some a little skit, a little spoof, and it was funny to some. And then I got some really funny eyeball rolls from others, like okay, that was really corny or whatever. But uh, I was able to get up there in front of a whole panel of people, and I say, hey, we'll, we'll take this guy. He's he's unique. We'll bring him in here. And then we had other guys that were just polished. They had it scripted. They've done it many times, which I learned later. That's the, what I should have done. 
which would have came across a, a lot better. But I'm a, as you know me, I'm an ad lib kind of guy. Absolutely. I'm not a scripted guy. You I do just, not work off a script. I just, it's very hard for me. And, but it, you know, folks who knew me were like, Bob, this is great. And then I went to another club down in Fredonia, New York for college students and stuff one time. And my, one of my aunts came by and, um, and my cousins and that, and they were like, they go, they were the only ones like clapping for me. They go, boy, we felt sorry for you. Got heckled, but it was a tough crowd. I mean, if you don't come out of the gate making them laugh, you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. You, and you got to have the, you have to have the confidence yeah. to stand erect and, and just be able to take those punches. And I couldn't until I saw one, somebody off stage saying to me, like, get off stage and go, oh, thank you guys. I'll try it again, you know, whatever. And they played a little, yeah. okay, the next person up, you know. So it was one of those, you know, one of those trial and error kind of things. But I realized that maybe I could take this through the journey of television. I had a passion for weather because I did it in high school, going back from mm-hmm. my opening line here, closed captioning, closed, uh, I mean, closed, closed circuit TV. Um, closed captioning is another story. <laughs> but closed circuit TV brought me into my way of entertainment in a sense. So I was able to use that as a tool and I was comfortable with weather and I thought, well, why can't I just sort of entertain in TV? And I, I kind of did that and it worked, I think. So did you actually study weather in college then? Yes. Okay. I, I went to, I started off, there was, there was, you know, SUNY Buffalo, that's a state university. New York schools are really good. They're really upstate. They're always, hey, you went to upstate school. It's a good, good schools. Mm-hmm. You have U- UB, University of Buffalo is nearby. You had Duville. These are private colleges, Medi and Buff State, SUNY Buff, Buff State. There was also um, a SUNY school that was Brockport. Was had a really good meteorology program. A lot of people don't talk about it often in my circles of meteorology friends, but it's really respected, and, and it's it's really good. And I, and I often wonder, maybe I should have just went there first, but I would never trade it for the world, and here's why. I went to Medai because at the time, Ralph Nader, he was, a you know, of course, big, you know, prolific, you know, entrepreneur kind of guy and running, I think he ran for, tried to run for president one time. Or yeah. he was a, and so... He had a, a station or a studio or something that was meant for everyone to kind of practice at. Um, it wasn't a, a journalism school. It was a media communications and veterinary, pre-veterinary school in education. It was very interesting. And, and Medai has a Mavericks now, and it's grown. It's a big, bigger college than when I was there. It was an old Catholic college back in the <coughs> 1800s, early 1900s or something. And then they, you know, went into just more of a... Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it was uh, it, it was bachelor science program set up, but again, it was heavy at the time of communications. I don't believe it's that way anymore. So I thought to myself, let me get the communications degree down. Took some journals and did take some minor sciences. So I hit a minor science role, or science intro, or science a few few other little sciences there. But back at the time, there was a guy that was local in Buffalo, New York, and God rest his soul, was Barry Lillis, and Barry Lillis was a guy I looked up for. He was not a meteorologist. He wasn't one of the guys he had to certify. And even back there was AMS and a snap. So not that he wasn't taken seriously, but he was a, he was like the Doug Wallace, Doug Wallace yeah. of Buffalo. Yeah, sure. at the time. Tom, Tom, Tom Joles was too. But really, Barry Lillis was a guy, and he used to do this little program at night called uh, uh, Barry's uh, Pajamas. So you means you get in your pajamas and watch these late movies, and he would intro them and stuff. And I, I kind of you know, looked at him, and I thought, you know, I could do this. I don't need to be the meteorology thing. So I took that route, but it was later in my career, my journey, that if I'm going to take weather seriously and as much weather knowledge that I gained from some great people, mentors over the years, I, I had to go get that second undergraduate degree to get the credit to get me where I'm at today. So your first TV job in weather was where? My first TV job was Binghamton, New York. It was really WIVB in Buffalo. I was like kind of doing like a pseudo internship. And 
I was recording a tape there, and it's a union station. And I and and Maria Gennaro, it'd be funny if she's listening to this. She's she's up in Buffalo back today. Joe Giovenko, he's retired now, and Joe was uh, he was like kind of the production, like the he was the director uh, that we have here, and they let me make my first tape. I was working radio across the street. It was WBNF AM, and I was working at Magic 102.5, 110,000 watt like station. And I got to be Bobby J in the overnight at ear. And then I even did a board. I was a board out for the John Garabedi and open house party, but I knew I wanted TV. That's what I was. That's what I went to school college. And, and although it wasn't a big journalism school, it wasn't like UJ Grady. It wasn't like a new house. It wasn't like Syracuse. It wasn't like Medill and Mizzou or, or, you know, um, it, these kind of colleges in Illinois or whatever. It was truly, it was just a good communication school. It was up to you to get your own internships to kind of parlay what you wanted to do. But I liked radio. I, I was hopefully doing the voice thing right. But I said, I like weather. I want to do it. And Maria took a chance on me to make my first tape. And the irony was when they did that, they got in a heap of trouble because it's a union station. And you can't do I, – I wasn't union. Mm-hmm. It was off union hours. They were doing something like that. And they got in a lot of trouble for doing that for me. And, uh, you know, and, I, and, and I'll never forget because Joe says, Bob, I go, is there anything I can do for your job? I feel so bad. I think he even got docked without pay. I can't remember what happened to Maria, but she's back in here now. She went, ended up going to Miami, and she came back up to Buffalo, and she's there at, at today as we speak. But she was okay, but Joe goes, look, there's one thing you can do. You want to make it up for me? When you get this job, which I found out later, I got my first job in Binghamton, New York, work with Trey Wingo, Carl Ravitch. These are guys, that, they were ESPN guys, and, and some real big powerhouse guys that were there. They said, he said, my family's from Binghamton, Bob. Could you bring their dog down to my, to my family? And I go, yeah, that's no big deal. I go, we're going to let him out. He goes, no, he's easy. Don't, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So I'm driving up to his house to go get this dog. Well, this dog is a dog. It was the family dog. It was, it was a stuffed dog because the dog was, went to a taxidermist after it passed away. And the family wanted the dog <laughs> back. They, someone said they revered the dog. Wow. And they wanted him close by. <laughs> so I put him in the back of the car as I'm driving. And could you imagine this? And I just got over the Stephen King movie, Cujo, you know, watching that recently. And it's, I kept looking at my rear view mirror and I kept seeing this stuff. And I could, I, it's <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But that was the favor given back for what he did for me. And he said, if you want to do one thing, that's all you have to do. <laughs> it's a story that everybody always laughs at. But uh, I did deliver the dog, <laughs> all intact. And, and that was it. Bingham to New York. We sort of brought you through your early years and up through your college years and your first job in television. But as you look back on those years in your life, what role did faith play in your life in your formative years? I always went to, a, we say it's CCD classes, a Catholic, you know, Catholicism school, or I, I don't even know the acronym. I've heard it so many different ways, but. My parents always were growing, raised Catholic, Roman Catholic. I remember going to Latin masses, which you didn't even hear. And this is south of Buffalo in, in Boston, I remember that. But I always had to go, so did my sister. We do a thing called confirmation. Mm-hmm. I never went through the full official confirmation because I, I was actually upset with a priest because um, at the time he was talking about things that weren't even related to why I was making my confirmation and understanding the sacraments. He was first thing he brought up was about money and why my parents weren't going. My parents are divorced. So my stepdad and my mom that, that, you know, raising me up in uh, Boston, New York were like, you know, 
you got to go, Bobby. You got to take a choice. You know, you could take one year off, but you're going to go back and get this, and mm-hmm. you can go play ice hockey on Saturday, and you can work at the farm down the road at Gaylor's Farm, and you know, collect eggs, clean chicken coops, get the money, and but you're you're going to finish this out. My sister did. My sister was older than me. My oldest sister, at the time, so I went. So I was relatively older than these kids, and felt like I was very tapped in. I went to the retreat and answered all the questions, and uh, should have gotten it slam dunk, but what happened was. When he brought that up, I got so upset about it, and uh, and you know, and and I, I told him, I said, you know, Father, I won't say his name out of respect for mm-hmm. there might be family members out there because he's human, and you know, I, I realize it now. I don't hold any, you know, not mad anymore, but at the time I was, and I thought, well, gee whiz, you know, I understand why there's Protestants, and I'm just being, you know, a little bit sarcastic, but I'm like, well, because the way you're treating me, it's like this is crazy. My parents can't get at that time the Catholic Church wouldn't allow a divorcee not to receive communion. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And I thought about that in my head. Although my parents weren't going, maybe just on holidays that I recall, but they weren't going regularly, so there were no tithing going on. Mm-hmm. And so the Catholics, we used envelopes, and, and they don't do this anymore. And I'm not, I'm a proud Catholic and love my faith and all that. I'm not saying that. But at that time, it, as a young person here, eighth, I might even been eighth grade, it was, you know, back then it was young, I, I was upset. Because I really put my heart and soul in this. And, and, and you tell me that I need another year. And I'm like, I have a mustache. I'm not going another year. I'm look a lot <laughs> older than these kids. Being Italian, of course, my heritage. I had a, had a dust buster over at Lipville at an early age. But I'm like, I am not going to go another year. I go, I'm not going to do this. And I walked out, and I was upset. Um, I didn't cry, but I was, I was, I was mad. You know? And I, I told my mom, and, uh, and she, was, you know, she, she stood behind me. She goes, I understand. And my mom was a little bit upset about it too, because upset at the fact that how it went down, but people in the neighborhood, I remember Nina Pluick, she was a, the Bellissimo family. Um, they're the ones who started the chicken wings. My friend, Tim Pluick and his brother, Steve, we all went to the same school and they were like, Oh no, my mom's calling the peace priest now, you know, cause there was always a connection and they're going to, no, 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 you can do it. But I was so, I just said, I don't want to do it. So in the Catholic Church, if you don't have your confirmation, even if you're not in the faith, you've got to go take the classes for it. When my wife, Teresa, now fast-forwarding, I, I, had, got, I had a divorce in between there, but to Teresa Jeswell today, um, when I met her, she found out she was Catholic here in the South, and I'm jumping ahead on you, I'm sorry, but what I was going to say is that I took a crash course with Father Sims, who was a retired military chaplain, and it was over at St. Patrick's Cathedral here in, in uh, Phoenix City. Alabama, and uh, he he got me through it, and I was able to go to the Las Vegas diocese and get everything all whipped together, and I was going consistently, and and we were able to get married in a Catholic church. The way my wife today said, she goes, "I'm I'm getting married in a church, and you have to get these things done." But I I had a I had nothing to show, and I had to explain that story, and he kind of you know scratched his head. Father Sims, who you know he passed many years ago, but he was like, he goes, "Well, we're going to fix that. Don't don't worry about it." Let's get you to Columbus, but in order to get here, you took. uh, an interesting route. You did pass through Columbus. Correct. Yeah. Was that, you went to first though, Mississippi? Is that correct? Right? That's okay. correct. Yep. I, I left, I first came from Bingham to New York. It was my first TV full-time job. I came to Columbus, Georgia the first time. Um, Dale Serban, mm-hmm. who, uh, his wife, uh, is over at the National Church Museum now working over there, Cindy and Dale. They, they came from, uh, Iowa at the time they're working TV, but they're from, I think Dale's from Chicago originally and Cindy, or Cindy might be from Iowa, but I know Dale was from Chicago. And and Dale called me one day, and I was in Binghamton. I hear the phone. He goes, <coughs> "Not my impersonation." You had Dale as a temporary news director <laughs> at WRBL, but uh, <coughs> just Bob, Bob Jeswald. And I, I go, I thought it was one of my buddies joking around. I had just sent my resume tape 
do audience research and development. It was A&D. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where they're going to send the tapes. So happened to be Columbus, Georgia. I had no idea what Columbus, Georgia. I didn't even know it existed. I heard Fort Benning. But again, I always get this today. They think Columbus, Ohio. From Columbus, I'm Columbus, Columbus, Georgia. I said, oh, wow. I go, great. I go, I never sent a tape there. He goes, oh, <coughs> no, we got it through um, <coughs> no, Air Day. And he'd be chewing his gum. He's former Marine, you know, tunnel rat guy. He was, he was tough, Dale. A hardcore journalist. And sitting there, and I go, I go, wait a minute. I go, yeah, right, Rob. I thought it was a friend of my Rob. And I hung up the phone. And he called back, and he goes, I go, I thought you were my friend, and realized this guy's telling me <laughs> this is the real deal. I go, I'm so sorry. I apologize. And he kind of laughed and chuckled. <laughs> you know, it happens a few times. You know, it's a real deal. And he goes, would you be up to, you know, taking a flight down to Columbus, Georgia? I go, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Where is it? South of Atlanta. And this I'm looking was early at 90s? This is 91. Okay. 91. So May of 91, I come down for the interview, um, get the job. Um, I stayed at. Used to be Sheridan. That used to be off of Airport Thruway. Now it's I don't even know it's a double tree now or something like that. And uh, so I stayed there and got the job, and I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, I'm coming to the South. And then my I had a cousin who lived in North and Carolina. And the job was weekends. Weekend meter okay. meet wait, weekend weather it wasn't a meteorologist with the degree at that mm-hmm. time. It was weekend weather and weekday reporter and many other different things that I learned. But it was uh, it was like almost a no brainer. And I had a cousin who married a Southerner. She was living in North Carolina. So she was giving me all the Southern vernacular and <laughs> you're a Yankee Bob. You got to be, and, and all people were like kind of, you know, but it was nothing like what everybody said. And I'll never forget when I was driving from Binghamton, New York. I, you know, I started Buffalo, New York, my hometown, Binghamton, and I'm driving down here. And I thought, gosh, I can't believe I'm here. And I went through Atlanta. And the first thing I thought was, I got to work here. Isn't that funny? I want to work in Atlanta. I never did. But, but it's just funny. I thought it's so close. And then when I get South of Atlanta, that's how desolate it was. You know, Noonan was not like it is today. Yeah. It was never you know, uh, eight lanes. It was just, I think it was literally, uh, no, I think it was four lanes. That was it from like 185 from Columbus, Georgia, all the way up to past noon, probably in Fulton County. And then all of a sudden he expanded all the roads. It's just built up like crazy. But back then I was like, that drive to Columbus was taking forever. And it's like, when is it coming? I go, <laughs> I went to this like metropolis city and now I'm coming to small city, but it was, it was well worth it. And, um, and, and here I am today because of that, believe it or not. Did you, so you were here for how long? I was here for, to the Superstorm in 93, which took me through, um, gosh, I went to Jackson, Mississippi after this. And when I went to Jackson, it was in 93. So it was after Superstorm was winter. It was March 13th of 93. So then it was March, April, May. I want to say, yeah, I think it might have been August. I seem to fall in that cycle of August. Mm-hmm. I think I've always did. When I think about it now that you're asking me this. And my contracts are still in August. It's so weird. <laughs> you know, I just discovered that, Phil. Really? It's yeah, a good month. It was, yeah, it was August. Yeah, it, and, and I went to Jackson, Mississippi, to WAPT, which was the ABC affiliate, and uh, gained great weather knowledge. The Rankin County tornado had just happened. It was were devastating. You, it was like you, the Beauregard uh, tornado. Meteorologist there. Yeah, I started working on the credits. Okay. Uh, tried to get into Jackson State University a little bit in there, and uh, realized I have to pick up credits along the way, which I started. Not just yet, but when I got to Las Vegas is when I started taking USDA graduate school courses online, which is not easy because not like today. And then UNLV, University of Las Vegas, got another 26 hours, wrapped them all together in a bowl, applied for my AMS seal. And through the course, all the people I work with, I, I even Buffalo, I didn't even mention that what I've learned there and all the way through, um, picked up great you know, weather knowledge, great weather markets, and then ended up from Mississippi, left there in 95 uh, to go to Las Vegas which I thought, okay, different thing here. Yeah, I'll tell you what my so thought you're, process So you're in there. Sin City, brother. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, how do we do this? Oh, yeah, it, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. 
And and how did that challenge your faith? It, you know, in going back, we're saying faith as a kid. When I was this kid growing up, and my grandmother, I had a step grandma. My, my grandmother was my mom's mom. She was the only part of me. I always say not Italian. She was my Lithuanian grandmother. She. She was very, she always would say faith things. She would always say, you know, God will love you, honey, if you do. It'd be nice to other. You know, she would always have, it was funny how she would do that in her. Biblical principles. Biblical principles. Thank you. That's what I'm seeing. And they really resonated. And it it became the fabric Mm -hmm. of, I think, a lot of times. My mom, too, and my dad. But it was really, my. it's funny. My mom gets offended. I know she'll listen to this. She'll think because I'm out of trade. But my mom, mom, you did everything for me. You're the reason why I am the way I am today. I always had to tell her. But I, I try to let her know, too, the truth is. Little things like you don't realize how a grandparent or someone else can influence you that way as well. Not that my mom didn't. She never, we were always said our prayers before we went to bed. Mm-hmm. Didn't do them together as a family, but I did them myself. And she it was never embarrassing. Yeah, say your prayers. It was always like, say your prayers. And, and it's okay to say your prayers yourself. But I would always get on my knees through high school before a test, mm-hmm. through whatever. I always said a prayer. And I know to this day, any when I had troubled times, it worked. The thing is, though, where I'm at today, where you mature as you go longer, or older and more wise, you start to realize, and you meet people like Phil Scoggins, Teresa Whitaker, f- friend that, that have been in my life, my wife and her family or whatever, I start to identify it more, the prayers. I start to look up and say, aha, not coincidence. I was asking this, and God will deliver. I feel like the Holy Spirit is working through me. When I'm asking something, it where it comes to It'll happen. Oh, I'll get the answer through you or through Dylan or from somebody, and you have to recognize it. When I started doing that more, it started. I started getting even deeper in my faith, and I always encourage my kids the same thing. Listen, and you'll receive. Listen, God's not going to talk to you. We're not, you know, we're not mm-hmm. at that level, and and that's okay. You know, he pay, he, he chose his prophets. He chose the, the people who are going to be the ones to to be the people to to speak the word through him or being getting receive a message that was real profound but it really does and it's crazy with the small things you and i have shared things over the years and i'll tell you say, phil you're not going to believe this and it's and it's even as recent as a woman that's here in columbus georgia vicky jordan i'll say her name um on my facebook i had the other day uh, i get choked up. i get choked up easy you know that and Always people do. need to understand that about bob yeah. you you see him on the air and he's delivering the weather and and doing a, a phenomenal job but uh, during commercial breaks and then during our dinner breaks at night when we get into conversations, you find out what's inside somebody's heart and what makes them tick and what really energizes them and makes them do what Bob does in the community. If you're familiar with him at all, you know Bob is all about the community and doing what he can to bring his personality and his style uh, to the forefront to help whatever the cause is. I can't tell you how many times that we have uh, brought up specific instances of people who are facing hard times, difficult mm-hmm. challenges, health issues, and what have you. And over the course of him just trying to explain it, uh, gets choked up. And, and it, clearly, his heart is involved in what he's doing. And uh, that resonates so clearly. I think it even comes across on the air, Bob, I is that people it. realize that you don't just talk a good game. You, your heart is in what you do, whether it's the weather, whether it's out in the races that you're conducting, uh, the many community causes that you get involved with because you want to make a difference. And that heart is what we appreciate uh, here at WRBL. We, we, yeah, sure, we've hired you as a chief meteorologist, mm-hmm. 
well, we've hired a good person who wants to, to use your talents and skills and abilities to bless others and, and, and make their lives better. So thank you for it. what you do. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm temperamental, you know, <laughs> I'm bombastic, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's very demonstrative. That's, that's the way I was brought up. Uh, um, Part of your DNA. Yeah, it's part of my DNA. I, it is. I believe that <laughs> wholeheartedly. I had a situation the other day with my mom too, and she corrected me, and you know, say I'm sorry again, mom. You know, but I, it's just it, the 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 way I was brought up. We're very expressive. We wear hard on our sleeves, and you'll know where we're coming from. I mean, it just doesn't anyone who knows me close, you, and you know me close enough, and you know me well that if there's something that really bothers me, I'm, you're going to know about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it's just the way it is. But I got to learn to temper that, and I think through you know, getting older and, and the faith getting stronger, I'm getting better at that. I, I could tell you I'm much better at that. If I'm outside of my comfort zone with you, family, because this is family, it's my mm-hmm. second family here, and I'm out in a community doing something, you're not going to see. I, that's the professional vibe. I'm not going to let somebody get to that to that point of even if somebody's rude or whatever. You know, I can, you know, stand up to it or whatever, but I'm not, you're not going to see me go to to those those levels of being, you know, uh, you know, Bob and truth serum Bob, I was going to say. You know, I try to keep it keep it tight. But, the point is, is that the, I think through the, the, the faith and the wisdom and getting more tapped into it and realizing what it is, these things that I'm doing, I believe, and every day I always say a prayer, like, why am I doing this? When we thought we were going to lose our jobs in 2008 when the economy collapsed, I was searching and searching and searching and searching and nothing happened. I, I had one interview on Fort Benning and, and it ended up being a, a you know, just a, a job, yes, job. It was something similar I did when I was in Las Vegas. So I was out of TV for a little while there. I worked for uh, as a, the Department of Energy Media Advisor for Yucca Mountain Projects. Pretty big deal. You know, I was honored to get that job. But I, my heart was always in a TV. And I would always pray on, you know, could I get this job, get this job? But there's times I always say, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then when you, as soon as I say this, and as soon as I pray on that, somebody in the community, and I'm not saying, when you're on TV, people got to realize, I tell this to anyone new who starts with me, don't let the head swell. Mm-hmm. And I and this is the cross that I have to bear. Some people need that recognition. They need the Facebook thing. They need to say how good I am. My kids are the best. They got A's. We won't even do that to my kids. And it's not that I'm I'm not putting anyone else down. That's what they need to do. I just don't do that. I just can't do that. I just don't want them to be that way. And I just never do. I never did it with Brittany and I'll do it with you know, my other two girls, even Sophia. I just won't do it mm-hmm. because I'm trying to teach them be humble. This job is something of humility. And yes, if anybody who's on air, they're going to recognize you. And I tell that to people. It's because Doug Wallace laid a foundation. And then another big name came in, Mitzi Oxford. I think of other people as my intern walking by. See you later. But um, they laid the groundwork. People are still tuning in because those people were legacy people that do mm-hmm. it. And they still talk about them. And even though Doug passed away in the late 80s and Mitzi's still alive and well and doing great things in nonprofit work and stuff. and But... It's, it's an honor. So you've got to elevate that. You've got to take that and build upon that success. Mm-hmm. I always tell it to everybody who comes in here. But when somebody recognizes you, that's a given. But when somebody says specific things from the prayer that why am I doing this job? And then I go out there and I say, Bob, i got to tell you, when you came on the other day and, you know, you were there with that severe weather and you were in our neighborhood, you're saying exactly when the time came. I'm not better than anybody else. Just put the work in. But I know that's the answer. Or I'll be somewhere to go, Bob, I really appreciate what you do with the military. You, you're like spot on. Bob, thank you, man. You really made a day. I lo- and, it's, and if I don't say that prayer, I don't really receive that. It's mm-hmm. almost, it's that, 
it's that overt. I can sit there and say it. It's almost like a game I'm playing with God, you know, in a sense, and you never play games in that way. But I mean, it's like God is there for you mm-hmm. all the time. And it's he's got a sense of humor. He hears too. you and he answers prayer. Yeah, he does. And he has a sense of humor on many yeah. different occasions. Some of the things are very funny what he did, that I, you know, that, that they'll come through. Like I'll say, and he'll go, oh, come on. Like I'll say something and all of a sudden Sarah says, Lord, I got you, you know. Well, we've gotten you to Las Vegas, and you ended yep. up going from Vegas to Phoenix. Right. And then the story that um, everyone is interested in, and you got a job in one of the biggest markets in the country, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Why in this world <laughs> would you take a job in Phoenix City and Columbus, Georgia? I mean, market, I don't know how big Phoenix is, but top yeah. 15. It was, it, was, yeah, it was 13 when yeah. I left. It, it goes back and forth. To 120. Yeah. Five here yeah. in Columbus, so huge uh, disparity in market size, in the number of people that are reached, uh, in salary, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, set the stage for how Bob Jeswold has been in Columbus now for 15 years, yeah, and and how the Lord brought you here. Well, I, I, and, and again, I was, you know, I was in uh, two TV stations in Las Vegas, and I worked for the Department of Energy, and I was also even. Uh, a marketing manager for our outdoor billboard company for a short time as well. So those are like the little go-betweens between the two states. I did an independent station. It was called Nevada Issues. I even did that. It was a political forum. And I got off of that because people said, Bob, that's going to hurt your career if you're going to st- do one or the other. You're going to stay in TV here. So it it, it, it it turned out that it was the best thing that I left that, and I got into what I was doing back in TV. But it was really um, – I'm in Phoenix. Eva's having her baptism. Her mother comes. She's praying. I've been um, – she constantly says, "My mother-in-law." Of course, my my parents do too. Mom, got to give both moms a shout out here because you know you know what's going to happen. But um, Buffalo just never happened where I'm from. I mean, I I had job interviews there. I came real close to getting stuff. It just never happened. The Weather Channel didn't happen. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, just didn't take it. And in Phoenix, Arizona, happened. So my wife was able to parlay a job from Las Vegas into Phoenix. So we moved down there. So I'm in Phoenix for a while. A little frustrated because I was kind of like the you know, weather analyst kind of guy going out and doing little things. But they also had me doing regular stories of the day sometimes, too. And I was like, this isn't the deal I had. And I got to tell people in the business, you know, you got to go with the flow. And if they tell you, hey, Bob, you got to go shoot that accident or go do something. I'm like, that's not why I want to do this. I told you this was very clear on this when I came here. It has to be written down in a contract. So it wasn't all the way. So it wasn't that I was treated poorly at KPHO. It was, it was great experience. It was awesome. But I never would have thought Columbus, Georgia. But let me back up a bit. Before I went to KPHO, I came here to Columbus. And you were in the hallway. You don't remember us, and Teresa Whitaker was here. And I remember Teresa and I were close in early night. Not super close, but we were close enough. We had the same friends. I even went to her house a little bit and Friday night party and kids all together and all kind of stuff. We were kids back then. <laughs> I love to say that. So <laughs> guys back then. And um, I knew who you were before you did. And... I came in and it was Matt Browning was the general manager mm-hmm. uh, and and the person who really technically hired me was um, Kyle Mims who's over at TSIS or you know now uh, Global Payments, mm-hmm. uh, Global Solutions or whatever Global payments payments, payments yeah. yeah and he's the you know he does you know he's I want to say I guess he's a media advisor type communications, thing communications yeah. and that and he started the dialogue with me because he remembered me coming here and I just stopped here when I was at the Weather Channel. It came in, you know, in the town here, and I just said, you know, if anything ever came up, just, you know, chief job or whatever. My wife's family's here. My, I got to say it because my mother-in-law get mad if I didn't try it because I'm that type of guy. If you say, Bob, come on, can you at least try? I will try. I'm not going to just, you know, slough it off. I literally, when my word is my word. If you say it, I'll at least throw it out there. Mm-hmm. I planted a seed. How about that? I planted a seed, mm-hmm. 
and would have never thought in a million years. They they kind of quipped and said, "Hey, there's a you know weekend job or morning." I'm like, "Gosh, and not, not that it's beneath Bob Jeswald. Mm-hmm. It's just at my stage in my career, I, I I'm not doing that. But thank you, and I can never afford it because the amount of money it was being paid and what I'm making here. And I said it's not going to happen. And you know, my wife didn't even give it a thought anyway. Go back now. Let's go back to Phoenix after another year and a half. Eva's baptism. Mom's there. Um, Teresa's mother, my mother-in-law, and she's always reading the Bible every night, reading the Bible every night. She's sitting there, I go, hey, mom, I go, what are, what are, you, know, what are you praying? What are you praying on there? She says, you need to be praying every night. You should be reading the Bible every night. I go, mom, I, I don't have time sometimes. I say, I say my prayers every night. I always like tell her that. I, I like to argue with her a little bit. And then we, we get into stuff like that. And my wife said, why do you do that to her? I said, well, I did, you know, it's, it's just me. You know, I just have a little fun. She goes, I'm praying because I want my daughter to get home. I, she needs to come home. And I go, if you know Lucille, she, she's very direct. She, would, she says that. She doesn't mince any words at all. And I go, I go that would be great, but wishful thinking, Mom, ain't going to happen. You know, it's it just they could never afford me. And honestly, I don't know where I'm going from here. I'm thinking L.A. full-time, or am I going to go to, you know, New York? You know, I'm, I'm, this is how I'm processing in my head where I would love to go. So we get done with this prayer. She leaves, goes to bed. Next day comes, I take her to Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix, drop her off. Goodbye, Mom. See you later. We'll see you shortly because we're going to come this summer. I'm going to go up to Buffalo, see my parents, see my mom and dad, see, see, you know, come back here, see Teresa's parents. I go to work, and it was a bad day at work. It wasn't like a great day, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great day. It was just your worse than your average day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, never thinking of anything else, my phone rings, and I see seven, the area code at that time, I think it's when 706 just came in. It used to be four. It was all Georgia was 404 once mm-hmm. upon a time. And I see 706. I said, oh, it's my brother-in-law, Tim, probably. And I just grab it. Go, I go, yep. You know, what's up? I'm thinking it's Tim. Hey, Bob, this is Kyle Mims from WRBL. I don't know if you remember me. And just like that. And I go, <laughs> I sure do, Kyle. I go, Colin, I go, how you doing, man? I go, that was a few years ago. I go, yeah, how you been? And he goes, yeah, are you, would you still be interested in, maybe coming to Columbus, but this time in a role, like I said, you could lead a weather team because we need somebody to come in here and take us to the next level. I said, you're kidding me. I said, yeah. He goes, well, how's your contract situation? I go, oof. I go, I got another year of my contract, but I go, hey, I think, you know, I can work it out. And then I'm thinking as I'm talking, I go, wow. I go, Kyle, this is crazy. I go, my mother-in-law <laughs> just prayed this last night. And he was for it. You know, he, he went along. I, I never talked to Kyle about his faith, but I'm, I'm, he's, he was saying, yeah, oh, yeah. And he goes, that's good. He goes, well, maybe this is a good call then. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But we never said anything to my parents in New York, and I never said anything to Teresa's parents in Georgia. I just, or actually, they're in Alabama. But I said, I am not going to say anything. This is like crazy. This mm-hmm. is crazy. I called Teresa, my wife. I go, you're not going to believe what just happened. And she goes, well, okay. And my, if you know my wife too, she doesn't get excited about anything. And, and, and not that I was, but she's really like, wait till all the ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. It's like when she's pregnant, don't tell anybody for until you're around nine months pregnant and then tell them we're pregnant. <laughs> and then, you know, so just wait and just see what happens. Because you don't, Bob, you know, you know, you're getting excited, but they're never going to be able to give you. It, and, and it was a cut and pay, but cost of living is different. Let's sure. just work this thing out. So anyway, through negotiations, six months later, coming in here, it all worked out and I'll be, it, it, it was from that night and then share that with Teresa's mom and go, don't you remember doing it? It's just, yes, I remember. That. And I think it was like maybe six years ago, Chuck Williams, who has a Chuck Williams show here, who used to work for the paper, did one of those interviews with me. It's the, mm-hmm. which you probably had one done. It's what is it called? A Sunday interview where it was, uh, they would just feature somebody and he yeah. did a, he did a question and answer similar. And, and I, I brought that up in there. I remember, remember saying it and her mother 
read it in a paper. She reads the paper and says, oh, I remember that. I do remember that, you know, so, yeah. So by you uh, leaving Phoenix, Arizona to come to Columbus and Phoenix City to be, you know, close to Teresa and her, her family. Yeah. But so over the last 15 years, how has your faith grown? How have you seen an impact on on, on what the Lord has been able to show you and, and use you in your role here and in the community? What just, just define what you see, the spiritual growth, I guess, that's happened over the course of the last 15 years. I've always been community-oriented. I, I, even my first job in Binghamton, I did MDA telethons. Um, when I was in Phoenix, I was very heavily in community. I, the Polydor Foundation, I did stuff for Safe Kids. Uh, I did stuff for Sage Street Shelter for Women and Children. A lot of these couldn't be broadcast or put to the forefront, but I believed in it. Even when I lost my first job in TV before I went into the government world and I was working advertising, I ended up do, still doing stuff in the community. I just, it's, it's just in me. I can't understand it, but now I totally get it through the prayer because every time I keep praying, the TV medium is why I'm doing this to feature nonprofit, to feature somebody who needs the attention. And I'll, and, and I'll get back to the Vicki Jordan story in a minute because I started talking about her. That's a recent story, but I know it works. So the journey was when I came back, I knew right away that to be first alert, we, we got to be first on air for severe weather. And I came in kicking and screaming. You remember this. And you, Phil, I don't know how many times you talked me off the, the ledge. I don't know how many times you said, Bob, come back. You're, 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 this, this is not Phoenix. This is not Las Vegas. This is not bigger market here. This is the way things are done here. They're a little slower at doing it. It's a different kind of flow. Let it go. Brian Lang, I'll still remember him. He pulled me aside before he left. He was our general sales manager going way, way back. And Brian goes, there's a reason. I thought that was so profound, too. I was very frustrated because people weren't responding quick to me. Mm-hmm. The guys, no, we need to be on air. And then when 2007 happened, a major tornado outbreak killing kids in Enterprise, Alabama, and later that day, really wreaking havoc on our viewing area. And then we did, coincidentally, had part of America's Georgia destroyed mm-hmm. the city hospital. hospital. And two people indirectly, not the tornado direct impact, but because of the tornado two deaths came in was my first like getting back to from Mississippi. Here we go. Got a couple more deaths out West. They were people drowning. Those are the deaths we had from weather events. This is like sobering. People were very slow getting in the air to the point where I was like, what is going on here? And it was more anger. It was more frustration. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Gosh, this market is ridiculous. And I, you know, I was saying this and you would come pat me and say, Bob, you, you're here for a reason. You know, you're here for a reason. And that really resonated. And I thought about it. And as each event came in, and each time I've met somebody else and doing a community event and realizing there's somebody with problems much greater than mine, and then finding out that they're saying, boy, Bob, you really helped us by doing this. And I can't tell you how many times it's happened. I'm like, it's, and definitely never ego. I never say it's because of me. It's because God has given me this ability to do that. And most recently, I like to say leading the market by example of military stuff and I you know never bringing anyone else into it but sometimes I would get territorial thinking well they're trying to copy me somebody over here or somebody over there when really I understand now God is using me to inspire others to do other good work doesn't matter if that person gets credit let Mm -hmm. them get credit I'm I'm just a piece of the puzzle of his big plan I finally got it it took many years to mature in that level but I get it now and I'm 
I'll say it. You know, I'm I'm running with the competition, so to speak, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I I'm, I pride on leading by example by weather how it goes. I know the other stations have followed us. I could say that not because I'm better. I don't believe in awards. I don't do Emmys. I don't ask for people to vote for me. Vote for me. Put me in a paper. Make me. This generation does it. I think it's it's not serving God properly. You're not leading by example. But I'll never ask if you want to submit a tape and I get a. And we did. We got an Emmy. My team make it the team. It's not about me because I can't do it alone. It's everybody in the team. I will, and and that's my approach. And I think I have the platform to finally do it now. And I think that's what the journey has led me in here, to to let that flow. And I can now be on my pulpit and stand up there and say to everybody, "Hey, this is the way you're supposed to do it. This is how you conduct yourself with a position like this. That's honorable. It's a privilege." To do what we're doing, mm-hmm. it's 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 not because I'm better than anybody else. It's because I put the work in, and God will use you and give you the strength to do it. Because people go, well, "You never sleep, Bob. How do you do it?" It's because I asked for the strength. You'll get it if you do God's work. He'll he'll make you. It, it'll it. make it happen. When I had a guest on the pod, it should have been a Faces of Faith episode yesterday with my guest Abby Mitchell and her daughter who had cancer. She's a single mom. I'm thinking, how would you do it as a single mom? I mean, I got Teresa and me with two teenage girls. I got two grandkids, and I got a older daughter married now. But I'm just thinking, how in the world? Because God gives you the strength. I ask that, that question rhetorically, but we all know the reality is, as a, as a Christian deep in your faith, you know that, well, God will give you the strength. And he does. He does. It's, just, it's, that's, it's so simple. It, it's like it's not rocket science. As you um, and we all do come to places in our life when you know, our back's against the wall, um, we may get depressed. We may uh, have family issues that are overpowering. Um, give some examples maybe of when when you have felt that way and and God came to your rescue. I tell you, God, I, could t- I can't even tell you how many times. Um, I mean, does it have to, you want something recently or just any time in my life? Or Yeah, just... I'll tell you. Um... And this is the Bob Jeswell that I know. When you when you bring up a story that, that touches his heart, he uh, the, your heart your heart comes out through your eyes. Yeah, let's put it that way. Don't want anyone feeling sorry because this is not feeling sorry. This is just uh, my mother and father. When I was nine years old. Uh, sorry, Dad. I'm, I'm going to say this because I I talked to him about it and I I love my dad and. Uh, I was nine years old. I came home off the school bus. And uh, people in my life that were strong, my dad and I resolved what I'm about to tell you. We were, we're great now. But childhood, you know, everybody has their childhood stories. Mm-hmm. Came off the bus, and uh, it was my birthday. And uh, my mom, I heard her screaming. And uh, my dad was physical with my mom. And uh, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Never seen it before. Um, I was never, and I could say this, that event, you know, you hear stories where guys, well, I saw some of being physical severe for their physical, their wife. I would never lay a hand on a tree. I, I just never would because I was told you never would do that. And I knew, I mean, I knew it wasn't right. He was, uh, he was on drugs. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. I've confronted him on the story. He knows it, and I love him dearly. He's got his faith now. I'm glad God forgives. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And my dad is remarried with someone who's deep in her faith. And I know he free, he asked me for forgiveness from that event. He almost, when you confront him on it, when I did years ago when I was in Las Vegas, 
he acted as if he didn't remember. He goes, really? Did I do that? It was so hard for him to admit. I go, Dad, that makes it worse when you're acting like you don't remember, mm-hmm. you know? So it's hard for my mom to accept. She still has very much trouble. Why are you so close to your dad? How you do? I said, Mom, because that's how I've grown in my faith. My sister can't get over it. You can't get over it at 80 years old. And Dad got over it because he's in his faith forgive you have to forgive what he did was awful can never forget it never will mm-hmm. i don't throw it in his face never do um but that him his apology was sincere he cried and uh you know now i wish my sister would do the same thing my older sister and she she can't she harbors a lot of anger. She's confused about it. She doesn't know why she doesn't talk to him. And she didn't see what I saw. She's just living vicariously, I think, the story she heard my mom and me. Uh, my aunt was always there for me. My uncle, Jimmy and John. John. Um, my grandfather was like my surrogate dad. And my stepdad was there for me, too. My stepdad, too, and my and my grandfather were like two male figures that, that kicked me in the rear. And, and uh, my I don't have much to do with my stepfather today. Don't don't know why. <laughs> I think he thought I really. Well, I could tell you probably why. I say I think he sees that I'm, you know, got back together with my father over the years, and I think mm-hmm. he's that type of personality. He kind of backed off, and mm-hmm. I really wish he wouldn't do that. I, I want him to know how important he was in my life. I mean, he he taught me all my all the things that I do in the house and all the basic chores and fixing up and all. That. I learned it from my stepdad and my and my grandfather and my uncle combined. Um. I'm very fortunate because I could have been one of those lost kids, and especially where I grew up. Um, we're hardworking people, blue-collar people, a lot of union. And when I got older, it was a lot of Italian things, this Italian, that I could, that's a whole other podcast. But, uh, you know, things that I weren't proud of, but I always had a heart to love people. I would always never treat anybody. I, I, it was always my way. I would go to defense for anybody. I heard Adam check if, if he's ever listening. i never forget he's blind in one eye. We're at a movie theater, and a guy was making fun of his eye. He wasn't looking at him straight. He goes, well, look at me or something. And I almost got in a physical fight with a guy because I will go to that end for somebody that I think is being mistreated or wrong. And that's the way it was. That's the way I was brought up. And uh, but, um, but going back to that day, that transcended into going up to Sophia now. The epiphany was that at that time, did I pray? Yeah. I, I remember nine years after they had my mom, I remember there was no, like, say a prayer for your dad, don't say a prayer for your mom. A lot of anger, a lot of hurt. Uh, my aunt especially as well. To say She can't forgive him. My aunt to this day, I said, God, I wish, and I don't expect her to. I need to, and they have to accept that. So I tell them all the time, Mom, I'm going to Buffalo next week, and I'm seeing Dad for a day, and I'm seeing you. That's between you two guys. I understand that. I'm not telling you you have to forgive or whatever you got to do, but you gotta you got to respect why I'm doing this. It's because as a Christian, you have to forgive. you got to forgive, or you're not a Christian. you got to forgive. Now, he didn't murder anybody. Didn't, what he did wasn't right, but he asked for forgiveness. He's getting better. He's not perfect. None of us are. He's still got a little ways to go. So do I, and so do I, because I, you know. Um, but it wasn't until 2007, reeling into what you were saying, that one big moment, and, and that's the first thing that's popped in my head. When you asked me a question, just said a prayer, and boom, it's right there. Sophia being born was born on my birthday. <laughs> Sophia is your younger daughter. I, I never liked my birthdays. I had a problem with my birthdays. Because it happened to my mom. 
I was nine years old. So my birthdays were, <laughs> didn't really care for him too much. Mm-hmm. Made a joke about it a lot. Um, my birthday, I shared cakes <laughs> with my grandfather because he was born June 6th. He passed away. He passed when I got here. Um, my mom's June 12th. Uh, my step-grandmother was June 14th, like mine, too. So we, I would have cakes. It was a big ongoing joke. Bobby has a cake. you got to share it with four other people. I'm, I'm a kid, but it's okay. You know, I don't, you know. But Sophia was that gift of realizing, Bob, here you go. You're going to like your birthdays again. What a gift. You're the first person to ask that question. I never, never shared it with anybody. What are you trying to instill in your girls, um, Eva, Sophia? Tell us about them for folks that um, may not be uh, familiar with your, with your kids. But from a father's faith tradition, what are you trying to pass along and make sure that they don't miss when it comes to their spiritual growth? Ask questions. Um, growing up as a, a Catholic, and I'm saying, I know some people may be mad at me, but I'm, I'm, I, you know, I speak the truth here. I'm just saying... Don't be afraid to ask questions. It wasn't like we had a lot of, you know, nuns. There was, you just accept it. This is the way it is. Here are traditions. Catholics have a lot of traditions, and it's good. I'm not, and it's wonderful. But what I think what I got here, coming here back to the South, is to be amongst, and I've had Catholic priests tell me this, because I would ask them the question, Bob, learn when you see somebody deep in their faith, get close to them. Be close to them. Kneel next to them. Find out what, why are they so close and what's making them tick that you feel like you're missing because you'll learn something from somebody else from another faith. Let me take this back. Denomination, not faith. Excuse me. A denomination is mm-hmm. what I have to say. So find out what they do, how they celebrate, and how they get closer to God. I like Catholicism. I know I, like, I can go to any church and you know the prayers and the snap, but don't let those traditions, and I'm not at all criticize anybody. I mean, there's old school that's between them and God. But for me, and I tell the kids, talk to God yourself. He'll answer. Ask it in Jesus's name. So he knows you're a Christian and, and it works. Pray, we pray together as a family. When they get up in the morning, I take them to the bus stop. I say, who guys, I'm looking at you. Let me ask you something. What, what did you say? Thank you. Who just thank this morning? I always say that before they go to the bus stop and they go, God, they say, you know, like God, <laughs> but mean it guys. And when I get mad at them, they'll tell you this right now and I'll get mad, I'll chastise them, whatever it may be. I'm not trying to be their friend. Worst thing a parent could do, do you know, I'm not your friend. I'm your father. And then later we could be friends. Why do you, tr- how come Brittany, you talk to her differently? That's their older half sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because Brittany's 35 years old and she's a mother and we went through that and let me tell you some stories about Brittany <laughs> growing up as a teenager that we had to go through but right now this is the way you're going to behave and if they're doing something that's drifting to the left or to the right not being where they're on the right course I'm like guys stand erect be strong as a Christian as you know you are don't let that person talk to you that way and have your faith what are you afraid of stand erect be strong be in your faith. God will give you the strength to do the things you need to do if somebody's bullying you or doing anything. And both my girls are, well, one's almost a fourth degree black belt. They're both three degree black belts. It's not saying they're going to go, ah, you know, do it because they're taught not to do that. A lot of kids don't even know. Physically, they, I think if they're evenly matched with somebody, they can defend themselves. And it's not about that, but it's more about, about the tenants. And it's about, which is very much like saying the Ten Commandments in their, in their uh, you know, 
in their, their Taekwondo school. But when they do this, they have to know that this gives you the strength to stand up, respect, courtesy, honor. All that is God-given, even though it came from uh, our art from Korea. It has Christianity spreads through so many different things and forms. There, there's a Christian kind of tone to it. But take the Christianity values and stand strong. Don't be a footstool to nobody. But show respect, honor, you know, those who are above you that you know are right, something's wrong, you know, or somebody's bad or something's negative. Don't be around it because that, that'll, you know, try your best to plant a seed and walk away, you know. But they, but this is this is what I tell them. Um, you know, we miss a lot of days because of my shift. We don't pray together. Sometimes we will. We're having a bad day. We'll pray together. Um, that's a lot more than what I had growing up. I, I you know, nothing against my parents because that's what they saw growing up. You know, I know a lot of that, what you see. I know when I hear your stories, I think it's amazing. You know how you tell me about your mom and everybody. I think that's, that's so important. So learning from other Christian brethren from different places have made all the difference for me to, to, uh, to, to gain a little bit of that knowledge and wisdom eventually. And it, 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 it works through you, and then you can pass it on to your kids. I think there's no, I, I'd say to everybody, there's no mistake, and it's not just coincidence that I'm back here in Columbus, Georgia. It, it's beyond me being next to Teresa's family and her parents. That was part of it, but it's way, way, way beyond this, way beyond this. How does your faith help you do your job? It, uh, I need it a lot. I need it during the severe weather season. I'm the cheerleader of the team. I mean, um, I got a great team. I mean, Cody, Nicole, I, I love them both. Um, they mean the world to me. Uh, I've had others in the past, you know, that, that worked and love them all. Did a great job, and they're, they're fantastic. But the team I have and even the freelancers I have and now, you know, another, you know, Brian and, you know, Greg or anybody I need some help from uh, – the role that I'm in, and and that and it, it kind of it's sometimes really gets my goat when I see somebody say, "Well, how come they make you do this? How do they do this?" No one makes me do anything. You and you know this because you work with me. Nobody tells me how to do the job. I lead the job by example. I market us. I do it not because I'm better, because I ask God for that wisdom to do it, and I do that to try to lead the way. So when I have the team, I have to. Stand strong. I'm the cheerleader. We have bad days. When we have severe weather back-to-back, we're not getting any sleep. I'm sleeping overnight. I'm leading the way. It's like, you guys are younger. Don't tell me you're tired. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are kind of the fun little things I have. And I get it. But I try to inspire them to work out, do things. I'm there for them if they need a phone call because I enjoy that. I I, I never got that from a lot of folks when I was working up the ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, I had people that were almost equal to me in the business. They were older ones in business I learned from. I'll tell you, I learned from, you know, Kurt Schmitz. I, I'll give Kurt a shout out when I was, Kurt was my mentor when I was here in 91. Every market with a chief, I learned from these people. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony was that Kurt eventually ended up becoming, he was under me, you know, which is fine. It was uncomfortable for him, I understand. But uh, always give him that reverence and respect mm-hmm. of somebody who, who learned. You learn, you get bits and pieces from people. But what I, through the course of my whole career in other markets, I realized I'm going to be there for my team and I'm going to show them how to do it right. And, and I'm going to lead by example, and I'm not going to be easy, but we're going to have fun while we do it, and I'm not going to make any excuses, and I'm going to motivate the heck out of you, and we're, we're going to do it. We have been talking for an hour, my friend. Already. Could I tell the Vicki Jordan thing real quick? Let's close it out with close that. With Vicki yep. Jordan. I wanted All to right. say this. Vicki Jordan yep. is a f- athlete. I won't say former because she's still an athlete, and I was going 
to get acupuncture one day, and I missed a call from a, a person here in town. Very just, and he does He wouldn't even want me to say he's just a great guy, Cecil Cheeves. And Cecil is just uh, biggest heart you can ever meet. There's so many of that here. We have so many given people in this market. People would never believe in this small area. He calls me out of the blue, and I helped him. He was doing a organized a thing called Soldier Marathon years ago, years ago. And he said to me, he goes. Uh, he goes, hey, he goes, Bob, he goes, uh, I'm so sorry, I'm last minute call, and I, this is through a message, but we're having some sandwiches and lunch here, I want to show you my gratitude for doing Soldier Marathon, you were there by my side, giving weather reports on your own time through the Soldier Marathon, and, and it's so funny, if anything, I should be thanking him, he's thanking, this is the way this guy, this, yeah. if anyone else sees, so I won't get, it's a whole other story. So I wasn't even thinking. I had nothing else to do. And it was like a no-brainer. I'm going down to NIM, National Infantry Museum, and I'm going to go have lunch. Not because it's a free lunch. Somebody would say, my wife's like, hey, get a free lunch. <laughs> it's because I like, I want to be next to Cecil. I'm gonna, I want to see the people that I haven't yeah. seen in a while. So I went down there, and I was honored. Sat there with some, you know, high-affluent people, military people, you know, you know, but they're down-to-earth people. They're real people. Sat next to me, had a sandwich, enjoyed the camaraderie, saw people I haven't seen in years. Le- and I ran into a young lady there who said it was a power drink company that's here in town. I said, Bob, you should come pick some up. I, you know, I thought you need some. You know what? I do. I need to go. I definitely need to come down there. I'll, I'll come down and pick it up. So I went downtown Columbus. I'm going to speed the story up. I get downtown, and I'm looking for the power drink company for the athletes, for my daughter, who's a runner, too. And, and it's not there. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I go, it was right here in 11th Street. I look back. I went back. I walked up and down the block. Come on now. I go, am I? So I call this guy. That was, I go, Mike, that was at the NIM with I go, am I losing my mind or what? But Stephanie, I don't have Stephanie's number. And he goes, yeah, I'll give it to you. He laughed. He goes, because they moved a year and a half ago. I'm like, you know how many times I'm downtown? I still never realize that. Because they're, they're up in North Columbus. I go, well, I don't have time to get there. So I call Stephanie and I go, you're never going to believe this. But I didn't know where you guys were. And I'm walking and talking. And I end up in another block. And I go in front of this restaurant. And I see a guy I know is the owner of the restaurant, Caesar. He's retired military. He owns a restaurant now. And I see Vicky and her, her brother, Frank. And I look, she goes, Bob, how you doing? I go, and I forgot her name. I'm trying to think. She goes, Bob, it's Vicky. I go, oh, how you doing? I go, how's it going? You're looking great. And this and that. Didn't say anything. So, of course, of a little conversation, she, she looks and she kind of stopped. When I kept talking about running and athletes, she goes, because Bob, I'm, and she did one of those. And I could tell she was a little choked up, but she didn't. She goes, I'm not doing well. I go, you're not doing well. I go, what do you mean? She goes, Bob, she goes, I, I need a liver. And it's, it's hit me bad. I'm like dehydrated now. I can't even exercise. I go, God, Vicky, I go, this is terrible. So we got together, we said a prayer. And I knew at that moment that this medium of TV that God uses me beyond the scope of me keeping life threatening weather, I needed to be there for her to get a reporter to do this story and she did and she's already getting it um getting people who want to help her to get this liver match that's why i'm doing this i think i really do because i can have the worst days and god's like nah, you're gonna something's gonna come your way and it it without thinking just from a phone call from cecil boom 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 I, it's not coincidence. And I felt it. It wasn't coincidence. I know mm-hmm. in my heart it wasn't coincidence. She did not want to go. She's not a person who goes on camera. We had a coaxer. This is good for you. Our reporter, she's very private. And uh, she says, I'm lost words. I go, you don't have to say anything. Because, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're doing the work that God wants us to do. And that's what you're doing. 
and folks who know Bob Jeswal, the chief meteorologist, needed to hear about Bob Jeswal's heart and faith. And I appreciate you coming on and being so open. You shared some things that I had not heard before. Yeah, so say, you know. And uh, I feel like the Lord led us in this conversation. And you do what you do, not for glory, not for your name in the paper, but you do it because you're trying to make a difference in individuals like Vicky's lives, yeah. and you do it for the right reason. So it's a blessing to be uh, in the harness with you here at WRBL. Uh, I love that. Bob. I love that. Well, I can tell you something. It's uh, you're my you're my mentor and big brother, and uh, love you. And uh, I, I couldn't say anything else. I mean, it's it's why I'm here. And uh, you've been you've been more more than a colleague, Phil. It's family, it really is. And uh, appreciate everything you've done for me. You don't realize it. I love you, man. I love you too. Love you. That's going to do it for this edition of Faces of Faith. And, Bob, thank you so much again for being with me over this past hour. And uh, before we leave, as always, I say, whatever you're going through, always remember to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) 